What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 35 of season 5. My name is Jim Icavona, and I'm joined by Travis Ballinghoff. Jack Smith will be with us in just a little bit. Before we get to this episode's topics, if you're watching live on YouTube, please be sure to hit that subscribe button and set alerts for future shows. And if you're listening as a podcast, make sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to future shows uh, as they become available to you. And uh, they will become available to you the second we upload them. You can find all of our social media links in one place at hoo.be forward slash hwhockey or just head on over to our site, hwhockey.net. I'll be putting out a quick top 10 mock draft. I'm going to try to get it out tomorrow. I'm waiting for a couple more uh, quotes to, to put in the article, but that'll come out tomorrow. Uh, what's tomorrow? Thursday, Friday at the latest, right? The NHL draft is uh, less than a week away, Trav. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about. We do have a guest joining us uh, about in a half an hour, uh, Mr. Peter Harling of Dauber Prospects and Dauber Prospect Radio. Uh, but we do have a plethora of topics to get to before we have our guest on. Flyers got new uniforms. We're definitely going to touch on that. Patrick Sharp and John LeClaire have been hired as uh, – what, what, do you remember the positions exactly? Were they just advisors? Special advisors. Special advisors. So I saw that Patrick Sharp is going to be more with player development. John LeClaire, I think, is just going to be you know, around. It's kind of the idea that I got. Is that the same kind of idea you got there? Yeah, so I guess we'll jump right into it. Like Patrick Sharp, I love this hire. Yeah, Young guy, kind of played in the old school and the new school. And, like, I'm thinking firsthand experience from this guy. He was a talented young player that the team that drafted him, they gave up on him a little too soon. Goes on, goes to a rebuilding Blackhawks team, develops into a star player, wins three cups. I don't know how many 30-goal seasons he had, but there were quite a few of them. Good two-way hockey player. So I I just feel like when he's on the player development side, like, he's just going to be able to offer so much firsthand experience on – just like different ins and outs on how the professional hockey thing goes and how to be a pro and okay, don't get too high. Don't get too low. So I'm, I'm all in on that. And a young guy kind of a little fresh air to the scene in my eyes. Yeah. And that's what the people wanted. They wanted fresh faces, you know, guys who haven't been with the organization uh, for the last 50, 50 years, I guess. Right. Um, the first thing that obviously cropped up were uh, former Flyers. Patrick Shaw played him no more than 60 games, right? Um, so that was kind of weird that that cropped up. Oh, of course, it's a former Flyer. And he spent his whole career in Chicago. Um, John LeClaire, Flyers legend, right? I think is the last American to score. I, actually, I don't know if this is true. I got to go look it up. Uh, but back to back. 50 goal seasons. Oh. I can't. Is it back to back to back? Oh, I don't Hang know. Hang on, guys. Sorry. Let me look this up. Sorry. Right off the bat. I don't think I'm trying to think of guys who could have done it since him. I don't think Kane did it. I don't think Matthews did it. Yeah. Back to back to back 50 goal seasons, followed by two 40 goal seasons for oh. John LeClaire. Um, I, I was, let me, let me check Austin Matthews real quick. I don't, I don't think, think he, he scored it. 50 uh-huh. three times in a row yet, right? He said 40 a couple of times. I don't – Yeah, you're right. One year. It's 60 once. That's it. So I, I'm pretty sure John LeClaire is at least the last American to score back-to-back-to-back 50-goal seasons. Have to fact-check that. If you're watching live, feel free. You know, <laughs> Give us a hand. Be part of the show. 
Um, so I'm okay with these hires. As a John LeClaire fan, it's nice to have him back around the team. Patrick Sharp, it sounds like he's here to handle player development. Flyers are going to be, uh, they should be investing all that they can into player development. Um, you know, it sounds like they're actually going to do this rebuild. And uh, who, who knows how long it's going to take. But even if you're not rebuilding, you should be focused on player development, right? Um, team like Tampa Bay, they're, you know, they're good. They're a powerhouse. They were focused on player development. They found Braden points in uh, the fourth, fifth round, whatever. So I'm happy the Flyers are focusing on player development. I'm perfectly fine with Patrick Sharp, John LeClaire. The less we hear about these guys down the road, the better, you know? So The, the uh, LeClaire one, I, I will be honest, I think that one's a little bit more of – being really close friends with Keith Jones. I think that's really why he got the job. I'm not against the hire because like in flyers land, we've heard so much about the advisor role lately where like, that's not really supposed to happen. Like they're just supposed to be like, Hey, we're thinking about trading for Rasmus Ristolainen. And what are your thoughts? Okay. Yeah. We're, we're going to do this. Okay. Yep. Like it's, it's supposed to be that simple. I think yeah. where it's like, well, Holmgren, Clark, and Bill Barber had like way too much say on like actual moves and coaches and different things like that, where it kind of got out of hand the last couple of years. So I think one, it's not supposed to be that way. So I kind of get why fans are a little like op optimistic about this, like John LeClaire not having any front office experience, Patrick Sharp not having any front office experience. But like you also have to start somewhere to get that front office experience you have to start somewhere in a in a small advisory role i i think that's a good thing and i actually hope sharp has a pretty big hand on things just because of what i just said the firsthand experience and things he can provide but i don't know i the the leclerc one i'm a little on the fence of i don't hate it i don't love it at some point you are going to have to bring in some people who actually do have some front office experience tried doing some digging around over the last week like is Paul Holmgren still part of the organization? Is Bobby Clark? Is Bill like are these guys still here? Dean Lombardi, who won two cups in the last ten years, like did did all these guys just get fired? Did they get pushed up? Like I haven't been able to figure that out yet. That hmm. that I'm very curious about. Yeah, that's interesting because of, with all this information coming out and all these you know supposedly good and new things, we didn't really hear what happened to those guys. Right, that's a good point to bring up. You know, maybe they were ushered out quietly kind of thing, or are they still sitting in the background? Um, I do believe that there should be some – and don't and guys, don't take this in a, the, the way that I think people are going to take it. I do believe that there does need to be some form of representation of your past, right? But you don't have to take orders and direction from your past. So if a guy like uh, Bobby Clark or Paul Holmgren wants to be around – that's fine, but not everything should be should run through them or you know you shouldn't be going to them for everything. It's the guys that you have in these positions should be making the calls that those positions are supposed to make kind of thing. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah it, I think in my opinion or no go ahead. No, I was just saying it, it's it's fine to have the past around as long as you're still you know living in the present here and trying to make the future better based on, you know, what you need in the present. It's okay to keep history around, though. Like, I think they should be, like, the face of the Snyder hockey things that they do and the alumni events they do and 
the season ticket events they do like they them guys should be at all of them if they want to be there like they should not be fired like bobby clark is mr flyer he's the first and the first person you think of when you see that logo he shouldn't be fired but like should he have say in what your hockey team's doing in the year of 2023 I, i'm not sure about that <laughs> right i mean exactly for sure i would agree with that 100 percent um yeah, I just all I'm saying is that I, I like the link. You know, I like a cohesive unit, if you will. I, they don't need to be involved in making decisions or anything like that. Um, okay, let's kind of move on here a little bit. Trav, this is right up your alley. The Flyers unveiled new unis on my birthday, no less. I want to know what you thought about these uh, these uniforms. Were they they were kind of what we expected? I think they leaked during last season, and they were exactly what leaked for the most part, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I'll say, so yeah, they did kind of leak, like everyone knew kind of what the design was going to be, uh, the old burnt 90s orange, uh, no black piping. They actually look better than I thought they were going to, but like uh, I kind of like the current jerseys we have now. I actually love the jerseys we have now. Um, I like the ones we have now more than the ones we're going to. Um I don't think they're bad though. Just, I don't know. They're kind of mid, <laughs> um, the, the numbers on the sleeves though, I think are terrible. And I think they did that just because one solid color on the numbers is easier for the fans to see in arena. I think that's why they went with that. Um, so I guess that makes sense, but just looking at them pictures, I thought it was kind of ugly. Um, so I don't know better than I thought. I like the current jerseys we have now more though. At the same time, you're kind of bleeding into this new era of flyers hockey. And I'm not really opposed to switching up jerseys when teams do that. So I'm okay with it. I, I don't hate them. So they tried to pull a lot into these, right? Didn't they kind of explain how they got to where they did with the jerk, with the uniform. So they took a lot from different eras um, and let me just bring up the article here because I think they kind of uh, they have it for you. So they went with a wider shoulder bar. Uh, the jerseys used from 29-23 had a similar shoulder bar uh, to that of the 67 to 82, 1967-1982 jerseys. Um, so I, I guess that's cool. I'll be honest, I kind of like the wider shoulder bar. I think, I think it looks a little um, bolder, uh, makes the player look a little yeah. bigger if you will um okay so let's see here other touches so they went to they gave a nod to the 1982 to 20 uh 2004 jerseys uh with the black stripe uh with the nameplate i like that there are some people out there that aren't fans of that i think it makes flyers jerseys look unique um and you can read the players names perfectly fine uh, any thoughts on the on the nameplates, uh, Trav? You like that yeah. they kept Name, up with that? Nameplates are cool. I think I think every jersey is kind of different. Like you look at the um, the burnt orange jerseys that they wore outdoors in 2019. They had a black nameplate. I wish they didn't, but like the jerseys they wear now, the ones they just unveiled, I do like the nameplate on them. Yeah, so do I. Uh, the one thing that. I honestly wasn't crazy for like, I can get used to the, the, they're not being black piping along the chest and down the sleeves. Like I can get used to that. 
What's going to take me a little bit is the, the numbers. No outlines, no other color in the numbers on the sleeves. They're either black or white. And I think the white number looks better on the white jersey. The black number on the orange jersey is going to take me a little bit to get used to. And I know uh -huh. I'm, I'm nitpicking a little bit here, right? That's all um, right. That's all right. But uh, it just feels like, like they need to like outline it in orange or something. You know, make it pop agree. a little bit more. Um, I get what they were going for, but they went for a lot, you know. And I like that kind of stuff, you know. It's kind of an ode to the the past and the history. And they they tried to include, you know, this generation and that generation. That's fine. Seems like they did a little too much. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, you still want it to look right, don't you? Like, I don't know. I'm sure it's going to be something that I'll get used to and – over time, I'll convince myself that I like it because that's kind of what I do with, uh, with with these Flyers jerseys. Like when they came out with those those burnt orange uh, outdoor jerseys against Pittsburgh, I hated them. Oh wow! They they changed the crest. They, they did all like I'm, I'm I like things uh, more more traditionally uh, tradi traditionally. Sorry, we're gonna cut that and we're gonna use that <laughs> from now on. <laughs> traditionally, like that logo never changed the logo. Mm -hmm. The Flyers have one of the best logos in sports, in my opinion. Don't mess with it. Um, but over time, I ended up liking those outdoor jerseys. I think they're a very wearable jersey. You can wear them with a black, you know, black jeans or whatever. They they're fashionable. I think. Um, Whereas, you know, most most hockey jerseys, in my opinion, are they're not very fashionable, right? Um, you kind of just throw them on with a pair of jeans and a hoodie, and you, you know, you're good to go. Um, but I, yeah, I I actually love that 2019 burnt orange one. Yeah. I actually own one. Uh, take a guess on who it may be. I'm gonna go with Drew. You give me one more guess. Yeah. Four check. No, wait. Nolan <sighs> Patrick signed. Get out. Yep. Uh -oh. Sorry. <laughs> Odin's coming in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. False alarm. I, I, the UPS guy just rode by, I guess. And uh, yeah, that's Odin's best friend. So, all right. We got a comment here from Shadow3x. Dave, the jerseys look like something that would be given out on a promotion night. What, I mean, what about it makes it look like that for you? Is it the, the jersey number? Because um, that's what kind of does it for me. The, like, you know how you get these somewhat knockoff jerseys and they like, you know, you could just tell it's knockoff because yeah. the numbers look weird. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what popped out to me. I'm like, well, now you can buy the knockoffs because they look just like the regular jerseys, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I kind of agree. Like what you just said, like, I can get used to the non, the not uh, black piping. Like the jerseys we wear now don't have it, and I think they look really good. But like you saw all pe all the people doing like the the photoshops of like what it would look like if it looked so much better with the black piping. Like why why didn't they do that? Honestly, yeah. at the end of the day, I just I wish they wouldn't have did this from this century or uh, generation and that from that. Gen I wish just completely brand new jerseys i wish that's what they would have went with but i don't know i think i would have been okay with that too whenever they whenever they change up because in my opinion the flyers had we've been lucky they've had some they usually keep it pretty plain jane and they do a nice job um 
because I mean, if you keep it plain, it's tough to ruin. Um, the only problem with that is people people are bored with it. Um, so like the like the Flyers, uh, everybody loves the the old style jersey with the black and the orange piping, white sleeves, whatever. They were they were nice and clean. The jerseys that they've been wearing are are also nice and clean. Um, but unfortunately, I, I think people are starting to tie them into you know, the last decade of what the yeah. Flyers have been. Um, so I get it. All right, change the jersey up a little bit. But, um, you know, it just is. I'm sure it's something that I'll get used to, and I'll probably have a couple in my closet before, the, uh, before you know it. So, yeah, a couple more comments here about the jerseys. Uh, the numbers – uh, and it looks like they just didn't seem have seem to have any imagination. And that's kind of what we were just getting at, right? When they pulled this from this and uh, like, they just put a bunch of pieces together and go, all right, this is the new sweater. That's, that's, you know, like uh, what's that? What was that show? Um, Transformers when they all formed like the big <laughs> robots, you know what I mean? <laughs> I agree uh, with the numbers completely. I think if the, the numbers had a bit of an outline, like I'd, I'd be way higher on the jerseys than I am right now. Yeah. And it's something that simple. I, I wonder if they can change that still, or do they have to submit that? And it's like that's what it is. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know if they did. They start selling them yet? I don't know. They I know that they were them. cleaning them out in the Wells Fargo the other day. Travis, someone in snagged me a couple jerseys. I texted you. You didn't answer for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. All right, let's digress here because you're a liar. Uh, Andrew Chappelle. <laughs> Andrew Chappelle comments here. I just want the sleeve numbers and number on the back to be consistent. Sleeves look like, yeah, that's pretty much what we, what we were saying right there. Maybe it's a consensus and uh, we all agree on something for once. Uh, <laughs> I'd love them more without the nameplate. Why can't they get the damn? I like the nameplate. Like we said, I think it's something unique to the Flyers. Carts 88. Once again, thanks for hanging out, Carts. Uh, I wish they changed it. Th I think they will change the third uh, jersey. So, I heard they were like a couple of months ago when someone I was talking to. Some, I heard they were getting new alternates. So maybe they're waiting for fanatics to take over next season, like a year and a half from now. Maybe that's what they're waiting for. But I, I heard new alternates. So here, here's my thinking here. So they have an outdoor game coming up against New Jersey, right? Another chance for a Jersey grab, right? And you, you put out the black jerseys for the, um, for the outdoor game, and then next year they become your third jersey kind of thing, maybe. That's possible. Right? I think is New Jersey home for that game, though. They're the home yeah. team. Mm -hmm. so, uh, I guess it depends. They get, yeah, they get first choice still, and if they want to go dark or white. That's true. That's true. Um, I guess the Flyers, they'll, they'll be wearing their orange jerseys at home, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. All right. Well, uh, our guest is a couple minutes early. Should we bring him in, Trav? Let's do it. All right. Mr. Peter Harling. Peter, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, before, there we go. I was going to say maybe take yourself off mute. So Peter Harling of Dauber Prospects and Dauber Prospects Radio. Uh, how are you, Peter? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really good, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. This is fun. Sure. Uh, so as you know, you've been doing a lot of the prep work. We're less than a week. Uh, fine. Actually, what's today? Wednesday. Yeah, we're, we're just a, less than a week away from the NHL draft. Um, it's that time. Are you excited? Yeah, I can't wait to get there. I'm a little stressed out about the itinerary, but, um, yeah, it's cool. This year's a little different. They, um, they're combining the award show and the draft in one event. So, oh, get out. I hadn't heard that. 
Yeah, so things are a little a little different. I, I got my credential approved the other day, and it's like, and for the award show, too. And I'm like, well, that's information I needed like six months ago <laughs> when I wow. booked my tickets. But That's going to be cool. a long night, huh? Yeah, well, no, the awards is like the, the Monday. And okay. The round one is the Wednesday. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, let's get into it here. So we've been talking draft on this show for, I don't know, when have, when were the Flyers? <laughs> When's the last time they played in April? So it's been a couple months. We've been, you know, uh, kind of watching prospects and talking draft on this show. Um, Flyers are picking at seven, and uh, they've recently traded for pick 22. A little bit of buzz going on today. They could potentially trade for another first-round pick. Um but yeah, we, we have you on because we want to hear about some of the guys you like that could go around pick seven and potentially pick 22. So uh, let's start with seven first. Uh, I think around in our parts, we really like guys like Leonard Moore, Benson, Dvorsky. Are those some guys that seem to be on your radar, uh, radar around pick seven, Peter? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's going to be a really interesting draft. It, it always is. There's always that tipping point in the draft that at one point or the other in the year, it's in the first four or five or 10 picks, whatever it is, where, where things really start to get interesting, right? Like the first <clears throat> four players, the top four players, I think are, are pretty, pretty consensusly ranked. Whether or not yeah. Mitchkov goes in the top four is that's a whole nother debate. But, you know, Bedard at one's a slam dunk and then either Carlson or Fantilli in the, in the second and third location seems probable. Mitchkov could disrupt that a little bit or he could fall almost out of the top 10, depending on who you talk to. So what's going to be available starting at four and five is really where things get interesting. Um, and the Philadelphia has got seventh overall pick. So they won't have complete control over that. There's some guys who they might want, but predict will be long gone by the time they get to them. And, and they'll just be there. It only takes, you know, one team to pick your guy, but you know, we've seen players fall before or, or move up. Mo Sider was picked way ahead of where prognosticators had him. And in hindsight, Detroit's like, told you. <laughs> so, so, so let's stay on that path right there because um, a guy who I, I'll, I'll admit I haven't watched any of is defenseman David Reinbacher. And he's been getting talked up a lot recently. And uh, we've had, you know, a couple prospect pundits on in past shows and, um, We've done a couple mocks, and a lot of these guys have the, the top 10 picks going all offense, or they have you know their rankings 1 to 10, all, all forwards. Uh, but now we're hearing a guy like Reinbacher being talked up, potentially if he's there at 7, Flyers fans, they want him. What do you think about David Reinbacher? Well, he's a nice player. <clears throat> There's no question about it. Um, f- for me, I'm really looking not who's the best player in the draft right now, Right now, who's the seventh best player right now? What matters is who's who's going to be the seventh best player when, in hindsight, when we look back with the advantage of 2020 and in 10 years from now. Sure. So what does what does Reinbacker project as? Well, again, that depends on who you ask. But for me, I see him as a very high floor player. Right, very probable to be a player in the NHL. I you know I think you're 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 locked on to get a an NHL defenseman with this guy. However. I think the ceiling on him is like best a third on your depth chart, probably a fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're, when you're picking in the range that the flyers are at, at seven and you've got first line forwards, centers and wingers galore to choose from, do you pass up on, on a top six forward for a bottom pairing defenseman? 
no, 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 they better not. Right. So, you know, there's talk about Montreal fans saying, Oh, we're going to, we're going to pass on Mitch Goff to drive Reinbacker. And that's like, no, thank you. (laughs) That would be such, that would be such a huge mistake. Such a huge mistake. Flyers fans will have uh, PTSD flashbacks to uh, when they passed over Caulfield, not once, but twice. Uh, they ended up drafting Cam York, who uh, you know, I think will turn out to be a pretty uh, solid defenseman. But the opportunity to draft Cole Caulfield, and if they do it twice, if, if they do it again this year, and, and you know, th- like you said, this draft is so loaded with yeah. forwards to, to draft a, def- a defenseman seventh would – be a little you, crushing, you, you, I think. Uh, you could spend the whole night talking about players that teams missed on in the draft, like Jason Robertson. He's one of the top 10 players in the NHL. He was a second-round pick. Like, every team passed on him pretty much. So, yeah. you know, hindsight's very, very clear. <laughs> I'm curious who you think will be the best defenseman who comes out of this draft. Um, well, if everything breaks right for him, I think it could be Dmitry Simshev. I mean, the guy's six foot four and skates like the wind and what did we who just won the stanley cup and look at their defense right they're all tall they're all mobile and you know there's been there's been a bit of a trend in the nhl over the last decade where it's all been about transition right like making quick transition from from defense to offense and having defensemen that can facilitate that has been the number one priority and size be damned right like five foot ten cool if you can intercept the pass and then collect a loose puck in our zone whatever and then instantly turn that into transition and hit the winger that's breaking down for a breakaway or a two-on-one then that's what we want right and i think lately that's starting it's starting the pendulum is starting to switch back the other way and teams are like yeah we like that that is still important but if you can do that at six foot four oh i'm i got all kinds of time for that mm-hmm. Um, and so those guys are unicorns. So if you can find one, um, you, you, you got to draft them. You can't trade for those guys. For sure. Uh, for the listeners, uh, Simushev is a 18 year old Russian defenseman, six, four, uh, listed at 201 pounds. Uh, it's a left shot defenseman. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So big body D flyers fans would love that. Um, for sure. So, so like Mitchkov, the, the trick with him is he's Russian, right? There's the Russian factor. Yeah. And, and he's under contract through 24-25. So, so there's a bit of a risk there. I mean, he's, not, he's very raw, and he's going to take years of development. So the, the fact that he's not going to be available to you for, for several years doesn't really matter. What matters, though, is he's playing in Russia, and you're going to have like zero control over his development over what coaches are, are telling him to work on, how much ice time he's getting, what league and level of competition he's playing against. You got like no say in the matter on that with the Russian players. So that's a little unappetizing, mm-hmm. right? Like this is a player that needs needs development. He needs coaching and whatever the right formula is for him. Um, it, it's going to make the difference between if he's a star defenseman or not. Uh, absolutely. So, Sim- so Simashev's over there until 2024, 2025, you said? That's right. Or is that, was that was Michkov? Uh, Shimashev. Shimashev too? Yeah, Mishkov's got three years remaining. Wow. It's the same, it's the same deal, right? Like, yeah, you got, you got no say in 
how they deploy them. So I, I had no idea on uh, about that on uh, Simashev. And, you know, it's funny because fans are, I mean, and rightly so, fans are a little bit turned off by the whole thing with Michkov. Um, but, you know, you, you talk prospects with some guys and they have no problem uh, drafting Simashev. And knowing that the situation is somewhat similar, I don't know. Worked Someone like okay. me, I would, I would take the shot, take the me chance. Too. Yeah, it worked yeah. out just fine for Minnesota with Minnesota with Kuznetsov, yeah. right? Like he came Absolutely. over and kicked in the front door. And you're getting a bona fide superstar. Yeah, for sure. Totally that, agree. That kind of leads into the next thing I wanted to talk about: like how early is too early to take a shot on Michkov? Number one. Okay, I like that because I think he's the second best player in the draft. Me too. Consensus, but, not by a country mile, though. Right? right? Yeah. Like you, you know, if Adam Fantilli is your consolation prize, you're doing all right. Yep. Right. <laughs> that's that's a little bit better <laughs> than some other drafts consolation prizes. Like I don't know who went after uh, Crosby. Was it Bobby Ryan? Yes. I think this will be a better consolation prize than Bobby Ryan. No slight to Bobby, he was a fine hockey player. From Cherry Hill. Cherry Hill, New Jersey. <laughs> I did not know that. Well, <laughs> so it's like a kind of a joke around uh, around these parts because whenever the Flyers played them, it was always mentioned during the telecast from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Like, all right, we well, you know, like every time we play them. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. All right. So there's a couple guys that I want to talk about in these top seven or eight picks. Yeah. One or two we really like. One, I can't really understand the hype on them and maybe you can help me understand it or, or maybe you, you have similar thoughts. So uh, this, the player is Will Smith and in a lot of mocks, he's top five, um, top six. And you hear all these great things about him. When, when I watched him live, yeah, you could see he's got the offensive creativity. He sees things before they happen, whatnot. He looks and he just looks like he's playing in slow motion to me. I'm just going to say it. He reminds me a lot of a player the Flyers already have and Kevin Hayes and tops out at a 45, 50 point guy. Am I missing something on Will Smith? What are your thoughts on Will Smith? Well, I think he's a, a dynamic offensive player, right? Like he's got things going for him that you can't teach. His, his hockey I, IQ, his hockey sense, whatever you want to call it, is upper level. And his playmaking ability, and he's a dual threat, right? He can he can score or make plays. So goals are at a premium at the NHL at all times. And this is a guy that can either score them or create them. So there's a lot of appeal with that. And he can make some pretty electric plays too, right? Where he's going to make the highlight reel and, and sell some jerseys. Kids will love him. He'll do some, some fancy dangles and whatnot. The concerns would be that he's got a little, he lacks some physicality, right? Like he's not, he's not going to go in the corner and, and dish out the puck. That's someone else's job. His skating is, is just okay, right? Like it's, it's not a liability, but it's not an asset. And mm -hmm. as he moves up in higher levels, if, if his skating doesn't improve along the way, then, then that can become detrimental to his ability to, to produce at the NHL level. Um, but having hockey sense can really compensate for a lot of things. And that's one of the attributes I think is most important with prospects because you might not be the fastest skater, but if your hockey sense is, is very good, then you don't have to win the race. You can just go where the puck's going to be and meet it when it gets to you kind of thing. 
um, and just make yourself available for, for passes. And instead of throwing pucks into corners uh, where you have to go and retrieve them with your teammates, you can hold up and, and just make a smarter play and maintain possession. So there's a lot to like about him. There's a few risks. I like the fact that he's going to NCAA. I think that is a really good career development path for him. He'll play 30, 40, whatever it is, games per season in, in the NCAA. They only play on weekends for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a lot of time to hit the gym and, and lift some weights and add some bulk and work on his skating and, and address the areas of concern that he has. He'll be playing against college players who are older than junior players, right? They're, you know, 19 to 25 or whatever the range is there. So there'll be the competition will be big and strong and fast. So the adjustment to American Hockey League or NHL shouldn't be that as drastic as necessarily it would be in the USHL or junior. Um, So he's going to Boston College. I think he's going to have a year, probably two at college. I think before he's... uh, before he's signing his his pro contract, and right after his his sophomore season would be when I would when I would really think about putting pen to paper on him. And you know he's got upside like the Ducks, uh, Trevor Zegras, where he's a very similar style player. And um, as long as long as you have a, a roster that can support that kind of player, where you've got some guys that <clears throat> maybe are a little bit better in their own zone. Um, have a little bit of size to insulate him that way, then I think he could, uh, I think he could really shine. And hmm. I don't think, I don't think it's too soon to pick him, you know, in the, in the four or five range. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's kind of what we were looking for just in the event that, you know, he did fall to seven and the flyers did end up taking him. I feel a little bit more comfortable with that. And, you know, the, the consensus, cause I've, I've asked that question to, you know, most of our guests that have come on and, it's been mostly the same thing. You know, I, I shouldn't feel this way about Will Smith if he's there at seven. I should be happy. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's great to have guys like you on that can see this kind of stuff and um, tell people like me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so amongst our little circle, we're kind of torn between Zach Benson and Ryan Leonard. For whatever reason, we seem to think that Benson's going to fall this far potentially fall as far as, as eight or nine. Um, can you talk a little bit about Zach Benson, a little bit about Ryan Leonard and, uh, you know, in which ways, uh, you know, they would benefit the Flyers if they took them? Yeah. So, you know, Benson's, Benson's a good player as well. Um, I, depends on who you talk to. He's been a riser and, you know, Cam Robinson from Elite Prospects says this guy's going to slip out of the top 10 and someone is going to, going to walk away laughing with this guy. Um, So, you know, it depends who you talk to about Benson. For me, Ryan Leonard would, would be a magical fit in Philadelphia. Like I agree. He's, he's, he's a broad street bully. This is a a player that flyers fans will adore if they can get their hands on him. (laughs) And then look at what just happened in the playoffs, right? You got Matt Kachuk who basically willed Florida into the second round all the way to the Stanley cup finals and, you know, was playing with a broken chest <laughs> that caused him to, to step aside. That is insane. And that's, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be Matt Kachuk 2.0, but there's a lot of similarities there where he's a gifted goal scorer, high offensive player. He's aggravating to play against. And he's, he doesn't have this like huge size. I, I'm not, he's like five, five. I think I saw five, five 11. 11. 
Yeah. Yeah. On top of my head, I think 5'11. So, so he's not Milan Lucic big. Um, maybe more Brad Marchand big, but man, those are the guys that, and his just his compete level and his will to win is undeniable. And I think there's going to, like, the NHL GMs are goldfish. They've got like 10 second memories. Who just won the Stanley Cup? That's how you win hockey. Let's do that. Right. So, right. right. Matthew Kachuk was. Very, very in everybody's face recently. And I think there's a lot of people who are going to be interested in in tall, mobile, transitional defensemen and the next Matthew Kachuk. I, th- I think Leonard might go five for that exact reason. Would It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, once you hit five, like you've got 15 more players that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. It's, it's very interchangeable throughout. And it'll be, you know, mock drafts are a total waste of time this year. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. It it is funny because depending on uh, it's like every other week things things kind of change right you don't like it could be one thing so it all it all kind of feels like it depends on what San Jose what San Jose does if they take Michkov all right you can kind of see maybe how things shake out somewhat the next couple picks if they don't take Michkov all hell kind of breaks loose like all right how far is he going to slide kind of thing uh, and if he's there at seven fans are either going to be ecstatic or they're going to be like how you how do you pass over Michkov at seven but uh. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Leonard, uh, he he's been the guy that I've kind of been watching, especially on Team USA. And when I watch him, it's like, whoa, this guy has parts of his game that translate to the NHL. I, I thought now, and uh, you know, you've been hearing the Kachuk comparison a lot. Um, I would love Ryan Leonard here. I I gotta say that you know we love the Broad Street Bully comparison, but there's people out there that you probably pissed off when you said he's a broad street bully. <laughs> right, Trav? Like there's, yeah, there's a section about. of the fan base is like, no, we can't have any of that here. Get that out of here. So let me ask you guys a question. I'm really curious about this. If you don't mind. Yeah. Um, it, it, I'm not a, I'm not, I don't live in Philadelphia, but it, it seems to me that the flyers and their fans have always embraced the be as competitive as possible. Win now. No tanking is for losers rebuilding no thank you but lately it's kind of seems like there's there seems to be a little bit more appetite where philadelphia has maybe kind of been in that murky middle they've been a competitive team but not a contender for kind of seems like a while now so you know not having too many premium draft picks the prospect pool is okay but in order to get out of the murky middle i think fans are starting to embrace the idea of okay so let's have a couple years of, of poop in the bed Let's get some really good prospects. Let's trade some players. Let's get some some prospects and picks, and let's be good again. Let's be really good again. Um, is that is that what they're going to be doing with Daniel Beer? Do you guys think? It, it sure. sounds like it. He said he's not going to completely bottom out this roster like Chicago Blackhawks, Arizona Coyotes style. But I mean, everything we're hearing like Konechny's on the table, Hart's on the table. So I I, I think things are leaning towards that and. I think a lot of fans have really been open to that over the past year, year and a half now. Yeah. Travis said it right there. Uh, things, things just got really bad. I mean, when Hextall was here, you know, when he was done, I think a lot of people assume that things couldn't get worse. Uh, when Chuck Fletcher came, he, he tried, you know, he did what he knew how to do. The moves that he made just didn't work. And you could argue the Flyers were in a way worse off place than when he took over. Um, I was part of that fan base that was, no, you can't tank. There's other ways to do it. Boston Bruins are an example. 
Uh, the Golden Knights, I know that they just started six months ago with a clean slate, but you know, I think only they only had one guy that they drafted on that Stanley Cup team. So they found a way. There are other ways to do it. But, you know, they've all but come out and said, which I appreciate the honesty that, hey, we're going to do rebuild. These are the moves that we're going to be making. We're going to be acquiring assets, picks, uh, young players. Like, for example, the Provorov trade I thought was brilliant. You know, with the they got back a first-round pick in this year's draft, which was, you know, great. We didn't even talk about the 22nd pick yet. Um Two second-round picks next year. They didn't have any second-round picks. A uh, couple uh, players in Cal Peterson, Matt Walker, and, and Helga Granz, who I thought kind of was the cherry on top of that trade cake. I mean, what do you think about? What do you think about that trade? I liked it. Um, you know, it's three years ago. I might not have have signed off on that, but Provorov's kind of stalled, and I wasn't a really big fan of what he did with the whole Pride jersey thing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was. A little distasteful. Um, so I don't know. Maybe he he kind of wore out his welcome in that dressing room. Perhaps I'm, I'm not there. Not I, like, yeah. It does seem like that a little bit. And you know, if he's a he's a player who's not a, a not that young anymore, but he's kind of in his prime. And you know, if he's not going to be part of the solution going forward, then then he's an asset you can parlay into what they just did. You know, a first round pick, good prospects. And part of what your long-term solution is going to be. So, so I liked it from their perspective, absolutely. And I think Columbus did all right with it too. So yeah. it's kind of one of those rare win-win trades. Absolutely. I think what we're expecting, I think we're expecting to see similar trades to that. To be honest, you know. So, uh, you know, to your question, yeah, I think the the team has embraced rebuild, and so fans, for somebody like me who was so much against it. As long as you're going to say it and then follow it up with action, that's fine, you know? Yeah. So, uh, hey, so our second co-host has joined the show. Jack is on. Hey, Jack. All right. What's up? Is my fantasy team the best or what? What I miss? <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're going to – we talked the uh, draft. We have Peter on from Dabba Prospects. Uh, the 22nd right. pick, Peter, um, some of the players that are supposed to go around there, who are, the, who are some of the first names that kind of come to mind – uh, around picks 22 for you. Well, that's um, this is going to be a wide range of players who might be available there. Kind of like what I was saying earlier, where after the first couple picks, all bets are kind of off. It becomes a little unpredictable. And in this range, you get guys who could who could be gone 10 picks before or, or could be in the second round. Um, but some players who, you know, I've got the 16th and a, and a later pick in my fantasy league. So some of the guys I'll be looking for in this range would be guys like um, Daniel Boot, Shimashev, Matt Wood, Quentin Musty, Oliver Bonk. Those are some guys who are on my radar that I kind of like in this range. So we had Russ Cohen on uh, of Sportsology and uh, full press coverage uh, a couple weeks ago, and big Quentin Musty fan. I think he had him in his top 10. Is, mm. is he underrated or is he being slept on or what don't we know about Quentin Musty? So he's, he's a left winger from the OHL and he's a very, he's got good size and he's very good offensively, but there's some warts to his game. Uh, so I wouldn't say he's a necessarily a boomer bust, but I don't think the boom is that high and I don't think the bust is that low. Okay. Um, but he's a pretty divergent prospect. Most people have him in the first round, but not too many people have him in the top 10 like Russ does. And 
No. Russ, Russ puts in the work. He knows what he's talking about. So, you know, if Russ yeah, says it. interesting. Yeah, if, if Russ says it, then I got all kinds of time for that idea. Um, exactly. Yeah, and I, I like him. Uh, there's just, you know, some skating and, and hockey sense and positional defensive concerns, but you can fix most of that stuff. I mean, Jason Robertson was a terrible skater. <laughs> and like it, like when he was in his second season in the OHL, first and second season even, it looked like he was wearing ski boots, not skates. Like it was bad. But he looks pretty good now. <laughs> I would say so, yes. Yeah, um, figured it out. How about a couple center prospects? Uh, a couple in particular in Callum Ritchie. So Callum Ritchie's also an OHL player for Oshawa Generals. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of people who really like him, and I've seen him play a couple of times, and I don't think I'm quite as high on him. Okay. Um, you know, he's kind of like Reinbacker. I think his his NHL floor is is pretty high, but I don't think he'll ever be a first-line player, right? So in the first round, don't you want to kind of go for players who are going to be at the top of your lineup? Like, like mm -hmm. you pick them at the top of the draft, they should be in the top of your lineup. And there's lots of guys in, in rounds three through seven who you can take shots at to fill out the bottom of your roster or guys you can claim off waivers to fill. Like, I, NHL teams can get bottom-pairing players pretty easily, mm -hmm. but you can't get those guys so easily that are your top-pairing players. So the first round, I would kind of restrict it to, even if I flame out and miss, I'm still going to take a swing at a guy that, that could pay off big for me. I love that mentality. I know Jack and Trevor, that's all they say. You got to go swing big or go home. Um, so the other player that I kind of had in mind, uh, played for Sweden during the U18 tournament is Otto Stenberg. I believe he captained team Sweden. Um, he's a guy that I kind of had my eye on. He had a really good tournament. Um, could be a possibility at 22. Maybe it's just a tad too high, but I was curious of your opinion on Otto Stenberg. Um, I don't have as, as strong as opinion about him as some of the other players that we've talked about. I mean, he's sure. probably a first round player. Um, but for me, he wouldn't be, there's, there's probably some other guys who I'd feel more confident in taking, especially at 22. I mean, first round. All right. Yeah, probably. But 22, I think I could see teams picking him there, but I wouldn't. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Trev, Jack, do you guys have any questions for Peter? Uh, we're coming up on a half an hour and we'll let him run. Well, Jim stole all my questions about Musty and Cal Ritchie and Simashev. I like all three of them guys. That's kind of who I'm looking at in the, the 22 range. Yeah. The only one I'll, I'll throw out there just cause he gathers some steam and probably won't be there at 22 from what I'm hearing, but I'm going to ask about him anyways. Where do you sit with Nate Danielson? Yeah, I, I, sorry. I think if Philadelphia wants to pick him, it's got to be at seven. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think he's going to, and I wouldn't do that. But, yeah, maybe if they trade up or trade down from well, seven. I, and, that's, and that's the other reason. Yeah, that's the other reason why I threw it out there with all the rumors going around today, how there's a Flyers trade coming literally any second, you know, so who knows. But originally it was seven, and I, everybody was kind of like, where's this guy coming from? So, but these rankings, I mean, I got four different list ups. They are all over the place. Like oh, after, yeah. <laughs> after the top 10, essentially. So it, it is really yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess the last guy I'll ask about just cause I want to get a, a defenseman out there is Tomas Willander. I've seen him all up and down. Uh, where do you stand with him? 
he's a good skater. Um, that's probably the part about his game that I like the best. Um, but I, I think he's not in my top five for defensemen. Um, probably a first rounder, someone who might be available for you at 22. How do you feel about the defenseman in general in this draft? You know, a lot of people are, you know, certain players are catching steam, knocking, forcing their way into the top 10 in a lot of mocks. But then if you ask a different set of people, they're saying that there's no top defenseman in this draft. They're mostly top four. Um, I really don't know what to believe. I see a lot of tools I like, but who really knows? So how do you feel about the defensive core this year? Well, it's a forward draft for sure. Um, There's a lot of, there's a lot of good defensemen in it, but none that are, as is the high elite caliber that we've seen in previous drafts. Like I was saying before with, with Reinbacker, I think he's, you know, best case scenario, three, four guy. Um, but what puts him higher on, on a lot of people's lists is his high probability of, of making it to the NHL, right? Like he's a nice safe pick. You could pick someone like Guliev or Shimashev, um, and they have a higher upside, but, they're further away and and there's a little bit of risk with those guys too, where they just might not pan out because they're so raw. Um, Oliver Bonk is a player I really like for the London Knights. Um, I think, you know, every time I've seen him play, I've been impressed and he's impressed me in different ways too, right? His, his offensive game is, is underrated. His defensive game is good. He's got good size. His mobility is good. Um, Just every time I watched him, I liked him more. Um, if he just had a mullet like his dad, he'd be awesome. <laughs> he's got got a, NHL bloodlines. Yeah. One of the best names in the draft, right? Bonk. Oh, I remember. I liked his dad too. Bonk and, I and Daniel. Good then, back in the day. Bonk and Daniel boot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Any, anything else boys? Much Peter. Thank you for your time, Peter. You do great stuff, great work over at Dauber. I mean, we all use it. We use it for fantasy, obviously. We use it for prospects. Um, You guys do great stuff. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us. Well, thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it and had a good time. Have a good night, boys. Yes, sir. We'll talk soon. Take care, Peter. Thank you. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Peter Harling of Dauber Prospects and Dauber Prospects Radio. Make sure you go uh, give them a follow on Twitter and – Check out their stuff. They do great stuff over at Dauber Prospects. Um, Jack, I know you had some fantasy questions you wanted to ask there. Um, we we kind of hit our time limit with Peter. I didn't want to keep him too long. I saw him sipping on the White Claw over there. Don't worry about it because um, to explain our rules and then my roster and then my grievances, <laughs> it's like an entire podcast. So it's all right. <laughs> you want to trade down from pick one this year? I'm considering it. You know, It's too early for him on your team. Yeah, that's why. That's why I was considering. I just wasn't sure. There know. we go. Yeah. So <laughs> we getting into this already? <laughs> uh, okay. So it was interesting stuff hanging out with uh, Peter there. So he said a lot of the same things the other people that we've had on have said. The Flyers are going to get a player. It sounds like doesn't matter who it is. Obviously. Sounded like to me, Peter liked Ryan Leonard a lot there. I mean, he kind of glowingly spoke of him. Um, but if the Flyers do happen to draft a guy like Benson uh, or, or somebody else at, at seven, they're going to get a hell of a player. 22 kind of seemed a little bit more murkier, if you ask me, no? I, just because of how, what we were saying, that once we get past the top 10, really, top 12, I guess, I'm seeing names all over the place. 
like boot was a name that I saw kind of recently get ranked kind of high more consistently. And like two weeks ago, where was this? Where was he at least consistently this high and other names like Quinston, Quentin Musty is a much closer to where we're drafting now, which I just for Russ Cohen's sake, I'd be all about because he's never, he's never led me astray. So <laughs> I'd, I'd be all about that. You know, we kind of called that too. You remember? I he said that before. You he know? said, "Watch after the combine. Must is a name that's going to creep up the rankings, and he's all of a sudden he's top twenty, top fifteen. Uh, what did Peter just say? You had him at sixteen, something like that. Um, name to yeah, watch at twenty-two. So, the one list I'm looking at's got him right in our range as well. Yeah, interesting stuff there. And and here's my thing. Let's say the Flyers do end up going center. Let's say they end up going Oliver Moore or Dalibor Dvorsky at seven. I'd be perfectly fine with them taking a player like Quentin Musty at 22, even though, you know, maybe there's another chance for a center there uh, or, or a defenseman. If they went Musty, I'd be fine with that, you know? now You know, you know what I'm really wanting? Yeah, I, I want, want the Trev. two Russians. <laughs> I, want both and Simashev? I want both of them. Do you think that could actually happen? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> that, that's risky, but you I want to see the fan base go up in flames. Well, no, I I like both of the players. Like he talked about it, like the six four defenseman who can skate and move the puck and make plays. Like that that's like the unicorn in the league right now. And I don't I don't know. It, it sounds like he's going to take a little bit to come over, just like the other guy. But we're not going to be good for a couple of years. Like, I, let's take him. I want him. I think he's going to be a good player. Here's no, a I, have the, I have the same mindset. I have the same mindset. I mean, I would. I th- I'm being honest here. I I think I would be pretty upset if they took a defenseman at seven. I don't care. Me who. too. Oh, I'd be like, I just some people are saying like, oh, it's not that bad. I just I'm. There's two, it's a forward draft. You heard him I, say it. We already knew it. Just confirmed it. Honestly, I don't see how they don't come away with either Meechkoff if he drops and whether they decide to take him or not, which I don't think happens. But like that's got that's an option. Um, Leonard, and if if a team like Montreal takes him, then Benson. Like I really, those three players, and uh, Mitch has got a big asterisk, but I don't see how they don't come away with one of those players. Uh, that's just the way I see it. Uh, Moore, I think, has slipped down some rankings just enough to where they're out of their seven range. I think they'd rather go with another player, and we'll see if they acquire more picks or move up or anything like that. But then there's like five intriguing names at 22. I think they're as long as they don't, you know, go crazy on us and pick a name out of a hat like Hextall did in 2018, you know, I think they're going to do okay. Absolute worst case scenario is this right here. Ready? Oh, God. Bedard to the Blackhawks, right? Fantilli to the Ducks. Carlson to the Blue Jackets. Meechkov to the Sharks. Leonard to the Canadians at five. Benson to the Coyotes at six. Now the Flyers have to make a choice. Do you take Will Smith? Right now, the draft is hard right off the bat. At least for me, I, I would I would prefer Smith over Dvorsky. I was or a I, I do too. I agree with yeah, that. I mean, they, it could be a lot worse. You I know, think Smith goes four. I, I hope he does. Like I because because I, I want those other players. But if we wound up with them, it, it'll be typical Flyers fashion, very polarizing. But I, I at the end of the day, I'd be okay with it. I think. That's. That's what I'm going to be watching for. Like, if I'm going to be like uh, white knuckle in this thing, I'm waiting for Will Smith to go. That's my chip I need to see fall. 
<laughs> right? If you, I need to see him go at four, five, or six, because then you're right. That means Flyers are getting Michkov, Benson, or Leonard. I'm not gonna lie. That's- when Michkov does go, I'm, I am gonna get a little like, uh, almost, like a very similar feeling to where we didn't win the uh, the lottery, but more realistic or less yeah. realistic because I knew we weren't winning the lottery. But like this, there, there was there's a chance, but not really. So I'm kind of gonna be. Oh, there it goes. You know what I mean? There it goes. I like the the doubling up on the Russians. I'm all for that. I'll wait well, it out. I don't Peter care even how long said- it takes. Peter even said without hesitation, right, Trav? Uh, what did you ask him your, your question specifically? Who's, who's the best defenseman in this draft? Because I, I really like Sandine Pelka, and I agree with you guys. Like, there's no shot I'm taking the D man at seven. I think whoever, whatever forward we take at seven, has a legit shot to be a first line player in this league and a damn good one. You look at the defenseman, like, I really like Sandine Pelka, but I don't think he's a one. And every guest we've had on here, doesn't even think he's a two. Everyone thinks he's a second pair guy. So you cannot take a guy like that at seven. And like you just brought up, uh, he thinks Simashev's the best defenseman in the draft. We're hearing a lot of Reinbacher lately. Like, yeah, what is, where's that come from? Yeah, this Reinbacher so stuff. People are watching highlights and they're just posting them. And yeah, like, don't don't sleep on him. I'm like I'm like I'm not. I'm past that already. <laughs> like, hey, anyone that we've had on is like, yeah, he's, you know, good top four guy. No one, not one person has said he's he's a one or a two. We've heard at best a three. And it's like, Where? random people posting highlight videos saying, yeah, like you can make any, you can make anyone look good with a highlight tape, but like a defenseman, like that's even more. It's like, oh my God, look, he's intercepting all these plays and all these great checks and like it's it's easier to hide mistakes if you're making a highlight tape for a defenseman and that's just it and jim knows this from all the research we do for our other leagues where we have to draft rookies we try not to watch highlight reels because everybody's going to look good in the highlight yeah. we just try to read as much analysis as you can and go from there make an educated guess for sure angelo it looks like uh sort of is in the same camp as us he's a pro reinbacher and until everyone started saying the ceiling was a three would rather snag a forward for sure. Um, yeah, I just don't feel like this is the draft to gamble because five years down the line, let's say Reinbacher does turn into a good defenseman. No one's going to blame you for picking one of these forwards over Reinbacher, right? Oh, they There's, will. They will. <laughs> I mean, they sh- that's fine. I guess, you know, you'll always have those people. But if you go Reinbacher over some of these forwards and Reinbacher turns out to just be a, a third or fourth guy, Somebody needs to lose their job. You know what I'm saying? Like the I'm wondering the, if Detroit takes them. Like they did Cider. I'm gonna like we just said, like mock drafts are dumb, and I completely yeah. agree. But like this is really like the first draft I've gotten into in a couple of years. So I might m- wait till like Tuesday and actually make like a top ten or something. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm leaning Detroit for him. I don't know why. Oh, there's your cider comparison right there from Carts. He's good. He's similar to most cider, but I'm not sure he's much more than a two. And yeah. So, you know, you can get guys that can be twos later on in, in this draft, potentially. So um, so I have a question for you guys. So I know obviously in this draft, you're drafting one to four, you're taking best player available, right? And that's usually a pretty good draft strategy. I got a question though. The Flyers are somewhat I don't want to say loaded because trades can happen but they have guys like TK Farabee Tippett um, if you want to count in Atkinson uh, who am I missing help me out here Allison it's been a while since I looked at the roster Um, they have a plethora of wingers 
Their weakness right now is center, and it'd be nice to have a couple capable right-handed defensemen. In this draft, you have guys, as we mentioned, guys like Oliver Moore, who, yeah, maybe he's fallen down the rankings, but he's still up there in some others. He's still going eight or nine, potentially even seven. Some guys have flyers still taking them. Um, the flyers have a need for the center position, right? Ryan Leonard is a player that is not a center. He's a very, very good winger that a lot of people want. If you have the opportunity to take a center like Dvorsky, Oliver Moore, uh, I think Benson can play center, but is most likely going to be a winger, right? Um, do you factor that into your selection? Like, let's say Leonard and Moore, let's say they saw, see, I don't know how to even explain it. Does the need for the center position kind of tip the scale a little bit more in a Dvorsky or a Moore's favor? Because you already have the position of Ryan Leonard filled, let's say. Does that sway your decision at all? Should it, uh, Jack? I mean, personally, when you're drafting this high, I don't think it should. I, I mean, your need, your this guy's not coming up in two to three years. Your needs could be different in two to three years. I think Danny Briere just proved to us that he's willing to wheel and deal plenty. So you and lack of talent on the roster, they need to just get best player available. Could it tip the scales? I guess I can't say no for sure, but I want the best possible player. I don't want to miss out on somebody who's really good because we looked at need when we're nowhere near being anywhere for competing or anything like that. These are all still unproven commodities. Don't get cute. Take the best guy and you should be smart enough to make moves down the road later to make it work. So good points there. Uh, I'm going to give Trav a chance to chime in before I play a little devil's advocate on this oh, one, boys. Well, well I, I pretty much agree with Jack. Like he said, you, the needs now are going to be different than they will be in two to three years when he's in the NHL probably. Is Cam Atkinson going to be here? Is Travis Konechny going to be here? Um, Joel plays both sides of the puck, uh, both sides of the wing, excuse me. I like Wade Allison's talent. I don't think you can rely on his health. The coach doesn't really like him. So I have no problem with taking a right wing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just you take whatever the best player, whatever player your scouts deem the best and have highest on the list is who you go with. So I had an argument. You guys did a good job of kind of nullifying it before I even could say it. But, you know, we talk a lot about the Flyers. They will draft a player and – Turn him, try to turn him into what they need, right? Like they're weak at center right now. If they let's and they go draft a Cutter Gauthier, who's a left winger, but they would like to make him into a center kind of thing. And you know, whether that kind of stuff actually contributes into stunting a player's growth and stuff like that, because I, I, you know, I didn't grow up playing hockey, but I would assume you have to learn the ins and outs uh, pretty meticulously. At this level, you know, you have to know where you got to be, who you got to be covering, where you got to be in the offensive zone, yada, yada, yada. I don't know if it's that much of a transition where it's going to throw for players' development, but don't we want the Flyers to draft these players and play them in the positions that they need to be playing in and draft the positions that they need? Or, you know, we're we just going to keep sitting here saying the Flyers don't have centers, the Flyers don't have any right-handed defensemen. When they're sitting right there, you know, and, and here we are, I'll speak for myself, clamoring for another winger when 
We have Owen Tippett. We got Tyson Forrester coming up through the ranks. Joel Farabee, Travis Konechny could be moved. Uh, Cam Atkinson maybe coming back. I mean, the Flyers are they, they're they're fine at winger. Why do we need a Ryan Leonard? Draft a center, right? Get somebody going with Frost here. You know, does that change anything for you guys? Are you still like best player available? Start moving guys out for a center. Go find a center. Yeah, at this point in the rebuild, you're definitely going best player available. And I, for the most part, most part, I tend towards that. Whether whatever position you are in, um, I guess if we were kind of closer to the end of this rebuild, I could see the point more. It's like, okay, well, we need a center who's going to be in the NHL in two years, like, and that's going to be the difference between a wild card and a cup contender, or, you know, like the twentieth range to a wild. That point I could see it, but I mean we're we're far away. Just get the best player available, and who knows? Maybe maybe they take right wing, which we're we're strong at right now. Maybe they take Ryan Leonard, and then somehow we're we're faster along in this rebuild, and maybe they trade him. Maybe he hmm. never plays a game for the Flyers, Jim. Don't don't don't. <laughs> He's not even a Flyer, and I'm telling you, don't don't start the trade rumors. <laughs> Odin making another appearance there to the night. Oh, that's good, though. What do you think, Jack? I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's so funny. 10, 15 years ago, the Flyers were the exact opposite. They drafted centers like you wouldn't believe and just moved them to the wing. Um, I'd rather have that problem. We have too many good wingers. I'm like, we have too many good of something? Okay, we're doing something right. Let let, Let the rest figure itself out. The chips will fall the way they're supposed to. I fully expect Konechny to get moved. Maybe not this year, but at some point in this rebuild, uh, Cam Atkinson is not going to be around forever, obviously. And we don't know for sure, for sure that all these wingers are anything. Yeah. Tippett had a good year. Can he, can he do that again? Can he be a leader on this team? Can he be one of the top point producers on this team? I certainly hope so, but there's nothing set in stone that says that we've seen, we've seen guys be flashes in the pan and then just completely disappear. Like it's definitely possible. And all these guys are just trade chips. They're all trade chips down the line. Like uh, Travis was saying, like I would rather have good players and a, a problem like that than draft out of need and swing and miss and miss on not only miss on a good player, but then be right back in the mud where we were again stuck. I think that's how you get yourself in trouble too when you just start drafting for need rather than who your scouts believe is the best player available. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a little more open to it at 22, but if it were me, I'm probably still going best player. Yeah, like I kind of said, like I'm hoping it falls so that it's forward and defenseman, seven forward, 20. Like in a perfect world, that's what happens, but we'll see. Right. I just noticed Jack's uh, title underneath of his name there. Did you see that, Jack? Yeah. Flyers trade coming soon. Well, I've, I've had some. <laughs> what do you, what do you think, Jim? We got a trade coming or what? No, I'm not oh, saying anything, dude. Gifts. <laughs> that's, that's all it was. It was gifts. That's yeah. all. Jeff's there was, a, there was a lot going around today, man. I'm like trying to ch- refresh my phone, refresh my phone, realize I was getting uh, sound old. Yeah. <laughs> so we could touch on uh, a couple of rumors. I mean, so we'll start it off. Well, you're hearing some, some rumbling, some news, some crickets. So <laughs> we started off today on Twitter talking about Travis Sanheim. All right. Somebody, somebody tweeted something about him and, I think you guys know my feelings and thoughts on Sanheim. I just don't see it. Like, I don't see anything with Travis Sanheim. Like, all right, he's a good 
he's a good puck carrier. That's what I get when I, when I ask, okay, what do you guys like about Tra uh, Travis Sanheim? Even on Twitter today, people will they'll find fancy ways of saying this guy is good at skating with the puck. You know what I mean? He is um, good at it, though. Sure. When he wants to be. When he wants to be. And that's what was said. Yeah. That's what was said. He, he's, he's good when he's assertive. And I'm like, well, can we get that, you know, maybe all the time? Is that too much to ask for 6.5, whatever he's making million a year? Can we get consistent assertiveness? Like, what are you waiting for? Like, what, what's going on? Because when he's not assertive, he's a very, in my opinion, average defenseman. He can't shoot. You know, he doesn't play power play. There's reasons, and I don't want to make this all about Travis Sanheim, why, I don't, why I'm not crazy for him. Um, you know, he mentioned, I think, last week, Winnipeg was kicking the tires a bit. Uh, I, did a, I put out a quick rumor corral article, put all the rumors in one place, whatever, and I kind of did a little dig, and Winnipeg was interested in Sanheim at the trade deadline, apparently. Uh, so it makes sense that they're still kind of circling around. Um, and then, uh, was kind of texting around today and his name came up again. There was a team associated with it. I'm not going to say it, but they're a Canadian team. Um, it was interesting. Things got weird on Twitter for like a half an hour there, an hour, didn't they? Like everybody was saying yeah. something's coming, yada, yada. I'm like, I haven't heard Dick over here. What are you guys talking about? Is everybody, but like some of like, like I didn't hear anything from Anthony Sanfilippo. You know what I mean? Like I didn't hear anything from the top dogs, but like everybody else was like, oh, I'm hearing everything under the sun. Get prepared, yourselves. Fuck them up. Let's go. You know, and then nothing. And apparently it's been like that. Like it was like that Monday. It was like the Tuesday. We noticed it on Twitter today. Um, and then, you know, we kind of backpedal a little bit, which is under, I don't really care. It's understandable. It is what it is. It's literally the start of silly season. So I'm not going to be too hard on anybody, but on Sandheim, I, I, I just wanted to add, um, the way, and I don't know if I heard this on Merrick or 32 thoughts or somewhere in the metaverse. I don't know. 32 sharks. They were saying the, the free agent class this year, if you look, is pretty weak. Yeah, it's trash, especially defense. So teams are looking at this like, would you sign Travis Sanheim in free agency to an eight – that would be seven, but like an eight-year deal for what it's worth. And on one of – like a reputable source who I can't remember. It was I think like, it was Frank. Was I think Frank? you do. Was that? Was it Frank? I can't. I honestly I can't so. remember. I, I don't so. want to misquote somebody. So, <laughs> But it, it was basically like, yeah, they, they probably would. And I personally, and I, I'm sure you guys agree, find that a little ridiculous, but maybe that's just with there not being much out there and a lot of moving and shaking at the GM position and, you know, a couple coaches' jobs may be on the line going into next year, that maybe somebody bites. And if I'm another team and I'm looking at Sandheim, I'm like, maybe I can fix certain things with him to make him more consistent. How do I marry myself to him for eight years, though, for that mm -hmm. price? It's not like he's getting it. It's not like 4.25. You know, it's it's above six, and the cap refuses to really go up like it should. It just we're being told something new every year. It maybe goes up a million, but Bettman is just laughing his ass off every offseason with these GMs and the and the cap. So that's where I struggle with seeing it happen. But if somebody gets desperate, it really only takes one team. I think for Sanheim, you need to have a specific kind of defensive partner with him because. And this is not a slight when I say this. It's just, I believe, the reality. There's a lot that he can't do. Okay, he carries the puck. He can help create offense this way. Can't shoot. Uh, very limited 
in my opinion, defensively, yeah, he's big and long. Maybe he can break up passes, but he gets bodied along the boards out in front of goal. Can't count on him to be, you know, to, to box out, that kind of stuff. I would say that his biggest weakness is that you can dump the puck in his corner and know you're getting it back. Exactly. I, th- I think that's why they traded for risk the line in because when he was in mm-hmm. Buffalo, that was like the only thing he could do. So they well, were like, all right, well, let's match these strengths and weaknesses. And I guess sometimes well, it works, but not enough to be really effective. And Well, you're reading my mind. Like, well, that's le- a- legit stole my thunder right there because I'm saying, what kind of defenseman do you oh, pair him up with? You well, pair him up with the- say that because on I listened to Fletcher's interview on 32 Thoughts, and a lot of what he said, besides blaming almost everything on Niskanen's issue and COVID, was they were chasing replacing Niskanen. That was more for Proveroff, but also Sandheim's replacement. And you saw what they gave up for Ristolainen. So I think that's exactly why they brought him in here. They, you thought they were going to replace Sandheim with Ristolainen? No, find him a partner. Oh, right, they're, right. They're, so they're, they're, they're still looking for Niskanen's replacement. They just can't. Right. <laughs> so, so when looking for a team to potentially oh, that, trade Sandheim with, you need, you need a big body dude, a defensive defenseman that can shoot. Because if he can't shoot, you don't have to worry about shots coming in from the point when they're out there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you have to look for a specific type of defenseman to pair him with. Otherwise, offensively, you don't have to worry about dick with this with this defensive pairing because he ain't getting shots to goal right he's gonna have to come down low he's gonna have to skate the puck into the zone very in my opinion one dimensional to defend unless his d partner has a bomb and it's it's funny that you guys are talking risto because as i'm i'm saying that i'm like well now it makes sense to why they tried to why they traded for risto line and then they tried to 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 make him into this defender you know what i mean he's got the bomb shot big body wins battles in the corners uh physical guy um you know who knows maybe that that's a pair that still happens um andrew i don't know uh, i don't know what it is with you and the phantoms tonight dude. <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about i guess you want um, to say i'm in the minors yeah, yeah I, I guess so so in- interesting stuff there you guys kind of read my mind um you know, what else, you guys i didn't listen to 32 thoughts so i've really no idea what he said i think connecting came up or something like that did you guys hear anything um, you want to chime in with that well, the last 40 minutes was an interview with Chuck Fletcher that they did a couple of days ago, and he didn't really bury anybody. Um, he did say nice there one. were a lot of off-ice issues, and I think that was kind of things that have already come out about the medical staff and uh, that kind of thing. But, mm. I mean, he, he didn't bury anybody. He's still getting paid by the Flyers, and I don't think he wants to lose his, his money. Well, if he wants uh, a future job too, man, you can't. Well, that was can't pointed out trip. before the before the the, uh, yeah. the interview. Oh, yeah. asked, one of his last questions that was asked was like about all the different voices in the front office. And after hearing that like disclaimer, he's still being paid by the team. I'm like, he can't answer this truthfully. He's going to make it seem like it's truthful. He's no, absolutely not. No, uh, I didn't didn't really go off on my own. I, we we were a collective group, but there was not different cooks in the kitchen. He didn't use those words, but like he alluded to that. And I'm like, well, if he can't answer truthfully, he can't answer this question. He cannot, right. he'll lose all his money. Well, so I was I wondering, just, I threw I, that out. I was wondering if he did answer that truthfully, because he said 
we were always in consensus and a lot of times it was unanimous on the decision and I have a hard time believing that. See, I kind of do just because I think of all the dumb moves we've made and you got Paul Holmgren giving his two cents about everything. And they're like, they're asking these advisors, should we trade a first round pick for Rasmus first line? And yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they were all down with that. Realistically, I can see them having that conversation and being like, we need to get Sandheim a partner and we need a big body defenseman who has a bomb who's available, you know? And that's probably who they obviously stumbled on and they overpaid to make sure they got him. And I mean, that I could see, I feel like that off season, there was a lot of um, agreement, but it, it's some of the after COVID and also after that season was a disaster where I think things got muddled and there's no way Pierre wanted to agree with anything, especially when he was brought on board, like he was ready to rebuild. You could tell by any interview he's given, he's like, we need to do this now. So, I mean, I feel like when the you know handcuffs are off, it would be a, maybe I think it'd be a much different answer. But I also believe the timing of what you're talking about was their distension in the front office going into that season two years ago. They probably thought things were great. They got Ellis. They got a partner for, for Provorov. They went and they got um, Ristolainen. They got a partner for Sanheim. They threw in Yandel. They threw in uh, Broussard. Like it, I could see that them all agreeing on that. And to be honest, I kind of did too. I, yeah. I was like, okay, they definitely overpaid for Ristolina, but you got to do that sometimes. Like it, it's whatever. We'll see if it works out. Hopefully they can make it work. Um, but it was more so after that disaster of season and this past season, that's where I'm like, there, there's no way that everybody was on the same page. There's just no way. Okay. Uh, I had a Sanheim point I wanted to bring back up. Still want to talk about your boy Santa. <laughs> I think you like him. He wanted to give him a point to help us his point total. So he had a point. So oh, I'll, yeah. I'll we were talking, you guys were talking about unanimous moves, and Ristolainen came in, so it just was you know popped into my head. Unanimous Santa. move to give him an extension. Maybe? No, there you go. That there's one I think that I'm like, there's no way that everybody was on board. Like, right. rare, there's no way. He's like, you guys are gotta be kidding. <laughs> He's like, I'll be GM in a year. Carry on. Go ahead. I'm kind of wondering, and you said this earlier, like what team could be interested in him, and he probably needs a big right shot to play with. And they don't have one of those in Toronto, but I've mentioned this marriage that I think could work on this podcast many times. Like I could just see him joining the rush with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and it being successful. I'm glad we're in Toronto. I'm glad we said Toronto. I felt like it was like the worst kept secret that they're like, because I feel like they've been interested in any Flyers defenseman for quite a while. And I totally agree with everything you said. That's why I think if anybody's going to bite that bullet could be Toronto. Toronto could be a team. Yeah, I was checking their, uh, their, their kind of roster flexibility and stuff out today. They got a lot of UFAs. Number one, they currently have $9 million in cap. Uh, I think that's right off the top of my head. Um, I don't know how they feel about a guy like TJ Brody. I'm not sure how great he did for them in the playoffs this year. He's making $5 million for one more season. You know, I've been getting a lot of shit lately. And I, I think he's a, I think he's a good shutdown guy who just kind of had a bad season. Now, is that because he's getting older and it's going to turn into two bad seasons on a three that I don't know, but I've liked him for most of his career. Yeah. Uh, He's going to be, He's 33 now. I'm not sure when he turns 34. Let me just 
log into Toronto here real quick. So they have a lot of left left shot D. They have a couple right too. So they have Morgan Riley, who obviously played the top line. Jake McCabe can play left and right. He's making two million for the next couple of years. Timothy Lilligran will play the right side. Uh, Connor Timmins, not sure how much he played for them, but he's under contract until 2024, 2025. And that's it. Uh, you're looking at six defensemen under contract for next season with Eric Gustafson, Justin Hall, and Luke Shen, all UFAs and all over 31 years old. So Sandheim would be an infusion of youth if he was <laughs> traded to <laughs> traded to Toronto. <laughs> um he would play on the left side, I would assume, second pair. Brody has a modified no-trade clause, and the only reason I mention Brody is, you know, he comes back $5 million for one year, trade deadline candidate for next season. Flyers are weak on the right side. Maybe they send D'Angelo with Sam. I don't know if they can fit him in there, but um, who knows? Toronto was – Almost a, every player that's available from our team, the Toronto could be – they could use Hart, they could use Konechny, because you know, I know Nylander's probably on his way out of there, like, just for cap purposes – they could use all our defensemen. It it makes <laughs> except for maybe Ristolainen, but it makes too much sense. Like, I there's a deal to be made there. Like, there is. I, I could have been it. Who knows? Maybe we got the wrong player. But I'm sure that Toronto and Briere are talking. Well, every time a, a, a name pops up, whether it's Carter Hart, Travis Sanheim, a, a team that's connected or or somehow ends up being brought up is Toronto. Or they'll and, say uh, Canadian team, in which I go, okay, they mean Toronto. <laughs> So I, I, we'll see. I think a lot's going to happen between now and next Tuesday is the draft, the 28th, right? Oh, Wednesday. 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 Oh, so, okay, we're a week away. So the 29th? Oh, no, next Wednesday's the 28th. All right. Um, yeah, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. A lot of – who do you think gets traded first, cool. Trav? Um. Kevin Hayes. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm been very down. confident that both Hayes and D'Angelo are gone. And I'm not so sure about Hart, Konechny, or Lawton, who are the other guys in the rumors, and Sanheim. I don't think Sanheim gets moved. Um, what, what if it's like a, a package deal, Hayes and D'Angelo, and That'd be great. retain some money and maybe you get two picks out of it? I don't think you get a first, but – Second and a third. Go for it. As long as as long as you're retaining money on D'Angelo and not Hayes, that to retain all of D'Angelo. Why not? It's only one season. At, I, I would think you'd have to for Hayes, but yeah. When I look at each player individually, you can just break it down like Hart with everything going on. I just I can't see him being the next one. There's no way they wrap up that investigation by the time, you know, they should be making moves before the draft, if not at the draft. So I'm going to throw heart. I'm going to say, no, I can't see anybody marrying Sandheim to that deal could happen. I just don't see it happening. So I think that's out pace. That's he seemed to, I know he needs out all those rumors are there with him and Tortorella. Um, that's a big contract still. That's tough. Uh, D'Angelo, you, he, I feel like you get more for him. If he, I guess if you make it work at the trade deadline, if you can, if you can pull that one off, so I disagree with that. You think, think more now? Like I, I just feel like he was. I think you would want year. him. I think you'd want him from game eighty-one, just so you have time to teach him your system. Because we all know he's not very good in his own zone. Like he's a guy that, like, I would want 
learning my system and getting to develop some chemistry with everyone from day one. I, I I'm not sure if I'd want him. I like Tony and I think he's a good player, but he's like, you need the perfect situation for him to succeed. And I I'd rather have my hands on him earlier rather than later. Also, yeah. if, if you retain 50%, I mean, it's, it's a 2.5 mil cap hit. Like that, that's really good for Tony D'Angelo in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, he's so one dimensional for me. I don't know if it matters all that much. Maybe it does. Um, you know, his best work was, he was making a mil. <laughs> but again, he's got bought out, so it doesn't really matter. And it's more so that the trade deadline is just silly. The, the, I mean, the, the the picks that get tossed around, flyers. I remember them buying goofy players for first round picks and being like, like Christopher Steeg, like jeez, oh. they give him a first for that and a third. Like, come on, man. Like, I Those see stuff like days. that. That make that makes me just think all it takes is one. It just takes one stupid G and Briere is aggressive. It's not going to be Fletcher sitting on a trade for JVR two weeks out thinking he can do better and then come up empty, you know? So I, I do think that, I mean, really there's no way to, to know, but um, that, that's my thought process with that more about how crazy it gets at the, at the deadline. I'm going to add on quickly to Jim's little thing there. Those were the days I completely agree. I completely miss when the Flyers and Paul Holmgren was the GM and we were rumored into every single player at the deadline. Those were fun. Trav, but, I remember the players, like they're still oh, yeah. relevant. Like I remember we were always interested in just Dustin Bufflin. If you want to go back a little Dane. bit further, we were always interested in Jay Bowmeister, Thomas Falcoon, who Yuck almost got Rob. traded for, G- for Giroux, like one for one, uh, prospect Giroux. Um, it's like they were always interested in the same guys. I, I, I actually don't remember Cam hearing, Ward. yeah, like I don't remember hearing a whole lot of pronger, but the deal got done, so I guess that's why. <laughs> like, oh, um, did you say, uh, what's his name? I think you brought him up earlier in the podcast before I joined. He's from Cherry Hill. Oh, Bobby Ryan, yeah, Bobby yeah, Ryan. He was another one. He was another one almost every offseason, and they got moved to, to Ottawa. I felt like Jonathan Bernier, trade, yeah, Bernier. Oh, god, <laughs> when we were talking about backup goalies. Like getting moved, like he was always like, he was it just it kills me. It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> but the guy oh, you Thomas, Thomas Cabriolet, if you want to go back to like two thousand eight, like he was always being being named. Like he, I just remember they were always in on people. He was always willing and dealing. He gets hate, and I don't understand it. I understand. I do understand that the end of Holgram's tenure was a little rough, but I think there's an explanation for that. But I don't want to get into it. I uh, I, I the first half pre-pronger injury and post-pronger injury completely different in my eyes but right. the guy the guy you just mentioned chris versteeg i could not stand him i hated that trade i didn't like him as a player he had no chemistry with mike richards at all and peter laviolette would not go away from it but i actually like versteeg now i follow him on instagram and he's always posting videos of him like yelling at his kids and it's hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> it's hysterical. I it, I just wish I could have we were doing a podcast for that long. Oh, you no. could see how positive I was as the Flyers fan. That I looked at a trade like that, knowing it was an overpay, and was like, we can make this work. I, I like what he did in Chicago, yada yada yada. <laughs> you know, and I just I was so positive back then. It's unbelievable. It's night and day now. Now if I saw a trade like that now, I I'd be <laughs> yeah. right outside with my sign, like, oh my god, man! I was saying that to my friend the other day. I wish, I wish, thirty-two thoughts was around back when we were good, and 
like we were just saying, all these different rumors were around in the Carter and Richards days, like missed out on some great content. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. You imagine how much fun that would be too. Holding yeah. If it was us trading for the Konechny's and the hearts and the yep. Provorovs instead of but getting rid like, of them all. Man. Think about it. They finished dead last, got screwed out of the first overall pick, but still they went to the Eastern Conference Finals against Pittsburgh next season. They added Briere, Teeman, and Hartnell all in one offseason, probably more is slipping my mind right now. Uh, it just it was unbelievable. Like it just you could do that back then. The contract, this contract situation was a little bit different. It was still a hard cap, but you could sign guys for like 15 years and have like Eight of those years be <laughs> I remember minimum. that Holy league shit. minimum. I mean, the Devils did it with Kovalchuk and got penalized for it, which ended up going away. But I still remember those, those crazy contracts. Sorry. Yep. I think yep. the last of those contracts were signed by Fletcher with uh, Suter and Parise. I used to call him the only GM dumber than Holmgren because at the <laughs> at the time I was not a Holmgren fan. Now time's passed, and I realized, okay, well, the first like, half was awesome. The second half was too much. No, that was like the first offseason when Fletcher or uh, Holgram, I started questioning things. I'm like, you let yep. Yager walk for this chant? And yeah, we really needed Suter. Parise would have been great, but like, Prager was so, or uh, Yager was so good here. Like, why? Yeah, that, that was the offseason. Everything went downhill in my eyes. Right. And uh, you yeah, let too many I, guys walk and replace them with Bruno Gervais and Rusty Fedotenko. When they re-signed Fedotenko because of how much I hated him from the 04 Eastern Conference Finals with Tampa, I was like, are you effing kidding me? This is the asshole you're bringing in? Like, oh, I, I was very upset. Very he, upset. he married his uh, junior billet, the woman who used to take care of him, as weird as that is. Really? Yeah. Heard he's a very strange guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> I get, yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, screw that dude. Hopefully Maybe. the viewers and listeners stick around and hear that little drunk. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Cost us a cup We're scoring timely goals being a fourth liner. So you can I hope I'm glad he's weird. I hope people give him shit for it. We are almost an hour and a half into the show. You guys have any packs you want to open for tonight? Oh, I'm out. I'm out. I'm fresh out too. All right, we're all fresh out. Oh, that's it. No, I didn't buy more. It, I forgot. It's all about the draft. You know, I was like, you didn't get any what? for your birthday? None. I was just going to say, no. You some? Nothing. I got a lot of golf stuff, but no cards. Golf? Yep. And I'm not even good at it. Yeah. Should have came on. I got some caddy stuff for my birthday. Did you? No. <laughs> but maybe <laughs> I will because Jim needs a caddy. I only wear yeah. one shoe, though. <laughs> All right, good. Leaning, leaning a little left. No, that's only because you got one shoe on. <laughs> he got the joke. He got, I think you arrived late, but you got it. Maybe I'll watch that tonight. I think that's on uh, Hulu or something. All right. Uh, 90 minutes in. We had a pretty good show tonight. Uh, Peter Harling, Dauber Prospects, hung out with us for about a half an hour. Make sure you guys give him a follow on Twitter. Um, yeah, there's a lot of information. Um We'll be talking draft at least one more time pre-draft. We have a couple guests coming on. Uh, yeah, should be a fun show. We'll uh, tease it with that. We won't announce them yet. Um, so, yeah, any, any final thoughts before we wrap up the show, boys? No. All I'm right. Just, I'm going this – is, this is what's going to happen if they don't make any trades. They're getting Leonard at seven, Jim, because I need it to happen. 
Last time they drafted at center, uh, seven, and I really wanted somebody, they got that player. That's where that story ends, by the way. You don't <laughs> yeah. see the end of that story. You can figure out who it was. And at 22, I'm going musty. Yeah, screw it. Uh, who knows? That one's a dart throw. So don't, don't, you know, but those are my picks. That's who they're getting. Two forwards, deal with it. It's going to be great. Let's go. Danny Briere's a friggin' man. Two flyers at least traded for uh, the draft. All right. As always, HW fam, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back next week. Uh, probably Monday. You guys good for Monday next week? Should be. All right. Yes, well, sir. We'll be back mon- Monday next week. Uh, we'll be back I was going to say, we'll be back musty. There you go. That's the pick. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's going to be rainy, so uh, don't go outside and enjoy the weather this week. Uh, or, or do. I don't care. Eat your vegetables. Take your vitamins. We'll talk soon, everybody. Uh, see you next week. Bye-bye. Michael Layton.